in your voice because God will speak even if you can't. That's what's beautiful about him. Be strong in the midst of who he is. Be strong and orient there. Be strong in your weakness. Be strong in your incapacity. Be strong. I, I appreciate and love this. Gideon and the entirety of Israel were being suppressed because of sin. Be strong in your... Wow, let me finish this statement. Be strong in your sin, for you have a Redeemer. Be strong in your repentance, for you have a friend of sinners. Be strong in burning your Asherah poles and your places of worship that are anywhere but God. Be strong in the strength of his might, for we have a cross and a rescuer and a savior. And so wait, wait for the Lord. And in doing so, understand this, as he said of Jeremiah, as he said of Gideon, you are known and chosen, you are appointed and marked, you are redeemed and purposed, you are loved by God. And in those truths, move forward. Orient there in the midst of that. Psalm 119, verses 30 and 31 are on the screen, at least a part of them. Choose and orient your life in the way of truth. Set your heart on the statutes of the reality of our living God. Be strong and wait there. I, I, I love this because if you were here last week and I demonstrated this gladly and gloriously as I traveled with Jeff Litton this week. I am very capable of walking out of a worship center. I can walk out of a church or I can walk out of a hotel as Jeff and I travel together and point in the exact opposite direction for which you should go. I have no orientation toward finding my way around. I just am wandering through life. Thanking God for a Savior. And I, I love this because we come and we mark our lives orienting here saying, God, I am choosing the path of truth. And maybe for people like me, it is a really great thing because those of you that find your way easily, you may not rely as much on the living God. And I'm moving more into a spiritual thought about that right now. Those of you that are mark your path and are super purposeful, I have to have Jesus. And I love marking my way through life. I go, God, you're here. I want to be in the middle of this. And I love this because when we choose the way of truth and we reorient our lives because, oh, are we prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Oh, does our heart run astray? But when we find our lives in the midst of truth, choosing and being marked by that path, there is something that is powerful that is beyond us. It is the statute, the priority, the principle, and the reality of the written, living, and indwelling word. And that charts the course for us. And it's not of that. He charts the course for us. And I am encouraging you to orient your life there. Here's what happens is your life is oriented to the scripture. I love that because if you were here last week, I just said, don't you love the mall signs that say, X, here's the spot. We become these extraordinarily supernatural X's that mark the spot and the presence of the living God. And not only are you and I oriented to the reality of the presence and the power of the truth of who God is, but we become visible living expressions of that as we make our way through this world. That we are chosen and marked and set apart by God. And people walk up into the midst of who we are and they say to us, you are helping me see the fullness of who God is and your life is a giant X for the reality of God. Could that 
be true of us as a church that is gathered for his glory. That we not only are oriented to God, but we are orienting others to him as well. My heart is, is just leaping right now at the possibility that God would choose me, a poor, downtrodden, ridiculous man on the side of a hill in the middle of the night who has nothing to offer but God. And therefore, I have everything to offer. I'm praying that we will wait in the midst of the Lord and that our lives will become X marks for the greatness of his kingdom. And in doing so, it will, it will call us out to places and invite us into moments. I can't, literally cannot get over Mike Snyder, who will be here, by the way, next weekend sharing with us. But I cannot get over Mike's sharing of the reality of what it means to be marked by God for the glory of God, and to be a person who orients others. And I, that picture and story that he told of Mara, if you've been here a few times, you've heard it. Um, but in a nutshell, a little two-year-old girl who literally could not walk and was projected to never speak. And as she was dancing on a Friday night in the middle of open mic night, she was jubilant for the glory of God. And Mike walked up and said, lest you think this is a cute night at 9.30 for dance night for the kids of an orphanage in Haiti. This is not. This is a little girl who was, who was, had no chance of walking, talking, much less dancing. And she is now, by the grace of God, by the marking of God on the hearts of people, she is rejoicing in God. And this is a two-year-old dance. And I heard that story and I started to pray this for our church. I started to pray, oh God, that Mandarin Baptist would be filled with dancers for the sake of your kingdom because our lives have been marked. We have been defined by truth and in doing so we have walked about through the streets of Greater Cabaret. We walk about through the streets of Greater Jacksonville. We step into the places of greatest hurt. We deliver soap to, to places in, in where there is trafficking going on. We step into those scenarios. Some of our senior adults knit hats and, and ended up opening whole regions in parts of Guatemala to hear the gospel. I could go on and on, but the reality of that X marking us, it marks the world for the global purpose of God. You and I aren't sitting in this room hearing a pastor go on and on about a single verse, which I'm going to get to more in Psalm 119. You're not hearing this as a sole reality of being encouraged. Be of good cheer, because as God marks you, nations rejoice, and Jacksonville is jubilant for the sake of the gospel. Orient here. Be marked by the living God, so that we walk about speaking life and hope and reality to a world that desperately needs it. I ended last week in saying this, in doing so, our obedience will create a spiritual epicenter through which God literally shakes the world. And in doing so, you will choose Christ, orient here. In doing so, you will choose trust, orient here. In doing so, you will choose sacrifice, choose it. In doing so, you and I, if you were here last week, will choose pain. That is the way of Jesus. Keep pushing in. We will choose conviction in a world that is completely lacking. We will choose truth. We will choose Christ. We will, we will not pursue simple desires. If this were going to be an easy task, 
to orient here, then I don't believe it will be described of us who call out, Jesus, you are the master and savior. I don't think it would describe that we would be battling dominions, that we will be battling authorities, that we would be battling strongholds. That is description of what you and I signed on for. We should orient around truth, knowing that this is not an easy forward, enduring anyway, finding in God more than enough, and stepping in to the hard places. For some of you, you are weary and you have been seated for a long time. Take heart. Be of cheer. You are on a mountainside at midnight, but the Lord in his presence is coming at this moment and saying to you, I'm here, you mighty woman of valor. I am here, you mighty man. I am here, you student who longs to live in the heart of a school and walk antithetical to everyone that is going opposite of you. I'm going to walk in the manner worthy of the gospel, and it will be costly. Some of us have backed down because there's pain. And I I come to you, and I I, I said, here's what I want to do. I want to read Scripture from Psalm 119 every week. I long for our church over the next month to just marinate in Psalm 119 through the week. And these verses or where I believe many of us land in Psalm 119, verses 25 through 28. Lord, I am laid low in the dust. I have no doubt that many of us have chosen pain, or have chosen truth, or we have chosen sorrow, and we have now chosen to sit down. And you are not alone in that. But you are not following a God who leaves you seated for long. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word, Lord. I recounted my ways and you answered me. So teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. And then I will meditate on them and I will meditate on your wonders. Listen, my soul is weary with sorrow. I am tired, Lord. And I hear I pastor stand up every week and wield a sword and say charge, and I don't even hear the first letter in that word. I am tired, Lord. Strengthen me according to your word. Meet me in the midst of my sorrow and strengthen me according to your word. I, um, I ran to the story of Elijah found in 1 Kings verse 18 and 19. And I really think that we have studied this if you've been in group already. Don't, I was laughing thinking as I prepared to stand up here. The story of Gideon, the story of Abraham, the story of Moses, the story of Elijah. They have all such similarities. And then I started to realize, well, the reason those stories have similarities is because they're all grafted deeply in the character of our God, and our God is unchanging. And it's just the reality, and the hard part is that we are a people like Abraham, like Moses, like Gideon, like Elijah, who have really giant hearts, but grow weary and grow forlorn. And we ended up sitting, as Gideon did, on a mountainside when God has called us to be people of valor and conviction. And I just, I come to you saying, okay, be free right now 
Speak, Lord, right now. Meet us where we are right now. No doubt many of us are tired. You would read the words of David the psalmist and say, Oh, I identify, I am weary. Help, Lord. And his word comes along, and I think it offers help. And 1 Kings 18 is such a powerful passage. My point isn't what happened, but I could not tell you about the next part unless I just said in a nutshell, this is what's happened, is Elijah comes as a voice from God and just begins to speak about the greatness of God. And in this encounter, he begins to do what people who are about God do. He begins to say, there is a great God. There is a powerful, powerful, majestic God. We must worship him. And he calls his people to return to God. And it kind of riled up some folks. And Jezebel said, we are comfortable in our worship. And she called 450 prophets and 400 more prophets. So they have this extraordinary standoff. I feel like it's an old Wild West story. You know, you can hear the... You know, I could whistle that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I feel like there's this moment, it's like this extraordinary standoff. It's 850 over here. There's this long drawn out story. If I told it, um, it's not drawn out in scripture, but I love reading it because it's filled with humor. It's filled with absolute abandon to God. It's filled with people who are striving in this world, doing the best they can, who if they would really stop and say, speak Lord, they would hear. But instead they've crafted their own God, like many of us and formed it in their own image, and are pursuing that God. And 850 to 1, they cry out. It goes on for a while. It's an amazing moment. The 850, um, you know, they're, they're passionate. Nothing results from that. They do quite a few things to demonstrate their passion. Nothing results from that. And then it turns over to Elijah. And it's a powerful moment because in 1 Kings 18, verse 37, here's what he says. Elijah, your turn. He fills the offering the altar with not only the fruits to be given to God, but he pours over it water saying, if God doesn't move in this, and if God isn't powerful in this, and if God doesn't come through in this, there will be no other way to explain this except God. And I I love that. He just had them take jars and pour over this, and it's a powerful, powerful moment of a man standing in the midst of a culture that is anything about God, and he is oriented there, and his life is steeped there, and he is pouring out water saying, okay, move, holy God. And then in verse 37, he lifts his hands to heaven, and he says, answer me, O Lord, Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you're turning their hearts back again. Answer me, God. There's a statement that preceded that that, is, has, that deserves two or three Sundays solo where he said, I want to come into the midst of who you are and I want to repair this altar for you have been worshiping in every place except before God. And oh God, I pray that you would answer me, not for my glory, but so that everyone in this circle would know that you are God and there is no God but you. And I I love the answer that he gets in verse 39. Then the fire of the Lord fell. See, I mean, they're sensing God's call already. They're done. They're, they're going. There's stuff to be done for the kingdom. Pastor, you're done right now. I love it. The, the, the fire of the Lord fell. 
and it burned up the sacrifice, the wood. And that's, that is the great thing. But what shocks me is what happened next. And as you read on into 1 Kings 18 and get into chapter 19, it is absolutely stunning. I mean, I'm weary, Lord. Have you ever been in the middle of a God-sized thing? And I hope the answer for most of you is yes, I have. But have you ever been in the middle of a, of a thing that could only be explained by God? You're walking in the midst of it, and then you find yourself. I can run to so many personal stories. You find yourself absorbed with your story, and you find yourself wandering so far from God, and you find yourself moving into your own strength and your own power, and the next place that you find yourself is exactly where Elijah found himself. Jezebel said, I don't like that my 850 prophets lost, and I don't like what you did to them, and so I am going to kill you. This man who stood against the entire generation, who stood in the middle of it crying out to God, the next next place he finds himself is in a cave as he ran from a single person and he is in the midst of a cave. He is tired, he is weary, he is falling apart and that is so the picture of me. I have just walked in moments, I mean, I've literally walked in moments like Mike, Mike's, you know, where he's telling me stories of faith going on in another nation. I'm standing in the middle of them, and then I walk back, and I find myself sitting in my bathroom having, let me clarify that. That was awkward even when I said it. We have a chair in our common area of our bathroom and I find myself sitting in the chair of our common area of our bathroom talking to my wife and lamenting some little circumstance for weeks on end. I'm in a cave. I'm sitting around going, you poor me, this is going on. Did you know what they said? They said, I'm going, I was, I was no kidding, literally standing on a mountain and I've been walking through miracles and now here I am sitting in a cave lamenting some little minutia and I'm over wringing my hands going, I wonder what they're going to do. I'm an idiot. I'm surrounded by it though. We all are, right? And I read scripture and I just go, God, how do we orient in these moments? And our God in his grace is so good. When he was hiding in the cave, I love this. And I think this is, I could not have asked for a better song today. Chapter 19 of 1 Kings, verse 11. The Lord said to him, go out and stand. I know, I know you're sitting in the bathroom whining. And I know your wife is tired of hearing about it. She wants to change the world, and she's waiting for you to step up and believe God again for the 912th time. Believe him again. Step back in, and I love God. He comes and he says, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for he's about to pass by. I believe that Janine and our choir were used by God to invite us to step out of our caves for a few minutes this morning and to literally agree with God and say to him, speak, Lord. We want to hear you. Speak, Lord. I mean, speak, Lord. We are already wanting to move back in our cave because it's comfortable and we're afraid of what might happen. But we're coming to stand and we're fearful. But we're going to stand on top as you pass by. The the Old Testament beauty of passing by is always this. It's, It's a theophany. It's God coming by to invite us into a greater and bigger story for his glory. 
He's coming. He's passing by right now. That's what the choir led us in. He's passing by you and me right now to say to us, I know you're in the cave. And some of you aren't. Some of you aren't. And praise God for those moments. But some of us are, and we are weary. And the Lord is passing by, and he is saying, I want to invite you to believe me again. And that was huge. Because most of us respond by saying, I want to know what I am capable of. If you were in the Gideon study this morning, that's these questions. God came by, he passed by, and he invited him as a man of outer. You know what Gideon immediately said? If that's true, why are these circumstances the way they are? If that's true, then I have no strengths for this. And the Lord's just looking at Gideon going, I didn't ask you what you brought to the table. Orient around this. I am the great God. I didn't ask you about the current circumstances. And in fact, I'm using Midian to oppress you so you'll believe me. Some of us are running from these great moments when God has put suffering in the midst of our lives so that in our suffering and in our frailty, our hearts will turn toward God and not our own strength. It is not by your might. It is not by your power. It is by the strength of the Lord, says the Lord. Speak, Lord, we're listening. Speak, Lord, we have to hear this. And we come and we reorient our lives. I think there is a fantastic question that I feel like God asked me almost on a daily basis. He looks at Gideon, or I'm sorry, he looks at Elijah and he asks them this question. It's an orientation question. It is a reorient question. He says these words, what are you doing here? It's my favorite question. In my entire journey with Jesus, it is my favorite question. Because I love that God is saying, you don't belong here. Mark, I have made you for more than this. I have called you out to live for my name. I have marked you, and I have seated you, and I have known you, and I have formed you, and I have purposed you to live for my glory on this earth. And I am asking you right now for you and I to have a convocation, and I want you to wrestle this out. What are you doing here? And I ask you, just as the Lord asked Elijah, as he asked Abraham, as he asked Moses, as he asked Gideon, as he again asked Elijah, what are you doing here today, right now? The response has already been given by the choir. Speak, Lord. I think the, the answer comes for Gideon. It's powerful from, from Elijah, sorry. I think that God comes to us in, in the midst of our mediocrity and says, what's going on? What are you doing here? I'm a passionate God. He comes to us in the midst of our sin. He says, I want to know. I want to know. You know, this isn't a little deal to me. I came and put on flesh and walked among you. My stripes bore your sin. This is not a small consequence for me. The choices that you're making, what are you doing here? I love the answer, not necessarily in this very moment for Elijah, but the answer for Gideon. Gideon, if you're going to go and you're going to be about my kingdom, before you go do anything, you've got to, you've got to burn the things that you are worshiping that aren't of me. I'm not asking you to kind of leave them up and put a fence around them. I am telling you, you must, the scripture would call it this way, repent. Be broken for that. 
for your life to be useful in my hands. This is an orientation reality. God, what are you doing here in the midst of my sin? God, I can't worship you and other things. To call you Lord is to put all else aside. It's where God is coming to us and saying, speak, Lord. And I I just end with this thought. The solution for many of us to this orientation of our lives, to the reality of the call of God, is um, beautiful. Um, I want you to stand here. I want you to know that there are 7,000 that you can hear singing. They are passionate. And I want you to go back. I want you to turn from where you are. And I want you to pursue a better way. Elijah, I want you to orient your life. I think Elijah looked at him and he said, but God, but God, but God, I just want to read Psalm 119 again so that we can just come back to this. But Lord, I'm laid low in the dust. Lord, my ways are deceitful. Lord, my soul is weary. And God just comes to him and says, I'm going to preserve your life according to my word. I'm going to recount my ways to you so that you can hear them. I'm going to teach you my decrees. My precepts will be your wonder. I want you to meditate on them and pursue them and to be passionate for them. For us, for us, hear this. Many of us are sitting in caves or away from God. And the Lord says, look, to leave and run away from my purposes is to run from my presence. I want you to run back to the heart of who I am. I want you to be filled with my strength and my might and the wholeness of who I am. And 1 Kings Chapter 19, verse 19, I end with this verse. I think it's a beautiful verse. So Elijah went from there. He went in the might of God. Chapter 19, verse 15, and the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. I just like that. You can read the rest of the verse, but I think that's just a great pause. Elijah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and return to the heart of who I am. I want you to go back to where You came from the right instrument in the wrong place is a tragedy for the kingdom of God. I want you to move out of the cave. I want you to believe who I am. I want you to be passionate for my presence. I have marked your life for the majesty of who I am. I have have put an X on your heart to magnify my name. I know you're weary. I know you're, you're in duress. I know you're tired. I am your strength. Jesus, I am your healer. I am your rest. The cave is not your rest. I am your might. I am your purpose. I am the passion that burns in your soul. And Elijah, I long for you to join me in standing again for my namesake. So can I just ask you, will you go back to where you came? And will you walk in the fullness of my might? And may I gain glory for your life. That is power in our orientation.
the strength and the hope of our God. Speak, Lord. We're listening. Speak, Lord. We will obey. Speak, Lord. We're repenting. Speak, Lord. We believe. Speak, Lord. We need you. Jesus, I praise you for this day of worship. I praise you for the power of your story written throughout Scripture. I praise you for your grace. I praise that you speak to us, and I thank you that we hear. God, give us the grace to obey. Give us the grace to return. Give us the grace to repent. Give us the strength and the beauty of your might to step into the story of you again. God, I don't know what we're doing here. But Jesus, I know that if here is in the middle of where you are, then we don't want to move away from it. So come and meet us here, Jesus. Grace us with your presence. Draw us to yourself. This altar is open for prayer, for repentance, for joy, for laying down your life, for leaving a cave, for lifting your hands to a mighty God. We have an altar for you to come and to pray. If you just want to hear your name lifted up to a sovereign king of glory, we have some pastors who are here at the front. We would gladly and joyously pray with you. We have songs to be sung. We have a king to be worshipped. We have life to rejoice in him. Can we close this service in this manner of standing, coming to an altar, repairing, believing, and wondering again. There's freedom here. Would you stand with me? Would you worship as the Spirit of God leads?